0: All right, this is the last week where we begin with a disclaimer about Tyler's audio quality. He was across the ocean. He was in Germany, and it sounds like, quite frankly, that this signal is coming through the ocean. It's that bad, but it was at least passable enough to keep, and uh, so you can hear... The This week's episode with our guest host David Sype and Tyler And there's even like these banging noises I, It sounds like Tyler's in like a racquetball court or something I don't know where he was exactly But it doesn't sound that great But either way, we hope that you forgive us for this poor audio quality From next week onward, we're back in the studio, all both of us And uh, that should improve things quite a bit But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this week's episode
1: This is an expression of like, kind of his moment of of, sanctification, of justification of whatever you want to call it, where he's like suddenly saying, I understand and I want to know Jesus.
2: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to The Worship Review, the podcast which critically and charitably examines the texts sung in the church. My name is Tyler. I am a, a linguist and a banjo player, and I'm joined by Colin who is a historian and a guitar player, and by Dave who is a podcaster and a tuba player. So this is a musician's round table today. That's right. And uh, we're not gonna be making music ourselves, we're looking at a song by Zach Williams, it called Chain Breaker.
1: <laughs>
2: this song kind of skyrocketed to fame uh, in 2016 uh, at its release, and it was nominated in 2017 for a Dove Award. Um, Chainbreaker it's called. So what we'll do is we're going to uh talk about the lyrics line by line and uh I'll go back and forth between you, Dave, and and Colin and we'll just see uh what comes up. So let me start here. Colin, can you tell us uh, tell the listeners what is Chainbreaker about?
0: Well, it seems to be a song about uh, well, speaking to a person who has got maybe some doubts and some hardship and is otherwise kind of trapped. I think the idea of being trapped or imprisoned is a pretty common refrain. And there are various ways that the song talks about that and frames it through metaphor and and other linguistic devices. And then... The song proposes that there is a solution to this sense of being trapped, and that is through uh, a savior, a prison shaking savior, a chain breaking savior. I'd say that's the that's the gist of the song. There's there's more going on than just that, and we can probably talk about the details. Tyler, I wanted to ask you: Do you, what what category was the song nominated for? Uh, in. Was it, was it conceived as a worship song, I guess is what I'm trying to figure out. Like a song to be sung in churches. So
2: this was in the category best contemporary Christian music performance slash song. So contemporary Christian song, not necessarily a
0: worship song. Okay. All right. I wanted to keep that in mind and I think the listener should keep that
2: in mind as we go through the lyrics. Yes. Although I will say, um, there, there's just because of the sort of nebulous nature of of this uh, field, right? Worship music um, songs flow in and out of churches, They even if they were not necessarily written as worship songs. So, I mean, for example, we've done uh, Francesca Battistelli's Holy Spirit on this podcast. This was also. Um, This actually won a Dove Award in the same category, and it really wouldn't surprise me if if that song were being sung in churches. So um, there's some overlap there, but yeah, that's a really good distinction
0: to make. I would say, I mean, this song surely has been sung in churches, I would guess, whether that was its intent or not.
2: Well, yeah, I I don't think that's unlikely at all. Um, About 10% more
1: twang and it'll land on the country western stations. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's true. I was
0: surprised when I actually listened to the song th- that it it had a bit of twang to it. Yes.
2: This is interesting because I, I was looking into the backstory of this song, and Zach Williams was not always a contemporary Christian musician. Okay. So he uh was the lead singer of a band called Zach Williams and the Reformation. And this is a this was a Southern rock band. And the reformation there is not referring to, um, the Protestant reformation or anything like that, but rather, um, reforming and revitalizing Southern rock. And so, um, Uh. he, he led that band and there's a, there's an article in Christian post that talks about his conversion. So apparently he was living a rather, uh, hedonistic life in this rock band. And, um, suddenly, uh, Converted to Christianity, quit the band, and uh, eventually started making christian music so uh, apparently he was on tour and he was driving and he heard on the radio a song called "I am Redeemed by big daddy weave and uh, th- somehow God spoke to him through this song and uh, and convinced him that he needed to um, change the direction of his life and, and follow Christ. And so he, he did. And, uh, this is what he has to say. This is from that Christian post article. Um, I remember coming home from that tour, and it was the first time I'd ever really fallen on my hands and knees and cried out to the Lord. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of what I'm doing. I'm sick of my life. Make this new. There was a freedom in that that I'd never experienced before. Immediately, I felt like everything was going to be all right. I didn't have any reservations that what I was doing was wrong. Um, And then he goes on to say about this song in particular, whom he wrote with uh, Mia Fieldess, or I, I think... Fields, I'm honestly, I should probably look that up. Um, he wrote this song with Jonathan Smith and, and Mia Fields. And he said um, he was able to be a part of a song now that just like I heard redeemed. there's somebody now that could hear this song and I can do the same for them. So he, it seems like he wanted to create a rather evangelistic song. Um, and he even says here, My ministry now is to just tell the word, tell the world about what God has done in my life. And hopefully that will bring other people to Jesus. I'm just a normal guy like anybody else. I don't feel like I'm changing at all other than the fact that God has given me opportunities. And I don't want to miss those opportunities of where I can go out and share who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. And so this Chainbreaker song is kind of a, a foundational um song not just for his Christian music career, but it seems like it's a it's a part of a uh, his the the ministry that he sees himself performing. So I think that explains some of the country uh influences in this song, but it also explains the the some of the perhaps perplexing messages um that we find in the song. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but um there's a little more verbiage that he uses that I think pops up in the song. He says um, in this Christian Post article, "When I met the Lord, that hole was filled in my life. I even quit playing music for a while after I got saved because I was happy and didn't think I needed any of that anymore. So I think there was a there's a passage in this song that mentions holes, and I think that may be what he's referring to. So. With that said, why don't we hop into the lyrics, shall we? If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've
1: been hearing the same old voice to the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old nose inside, There's a better life
2: If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice, tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. Dave, what is being said in these lines?
1: Well, I I think he's speaking in in a pretty straightforward way to just the general human experience of dissatisfaction with life that we have and trying to say there is a better way. Uh, There is something that can provide satisfaction where you're not finding it. I I did, you know, one of the first things that popped into my head with that line, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside was, you know, the common um, Christianese expression, you know, we're trying to fill a God-shaped hole in our heart, which I guess is derived from something that Pascal said, and which has been, re- and misinterpreted over the years into kind of a an expression of you know we're we all have the the god-shaped hole in our heart we're trying to fill and we're putting different things in there and i that's where i that's what i kind of read into that um was that sort of idea knowing um his background on that i'm like okay that that makes sense why he would use that imagery to describe that um and I do, I always was, I also was intrigued by that line, if you're hearing the same old voice, tell the same old lies, you know, again, in the church setting, obviously that brings to mind something very specific, but um, it really has some kind of interesting poetic imagery that you could interpret that different ways. Like Maybe that's yourself telling your own yourself lies about who you are and what you should do and so I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you could take that, but basically, I just kind of read it as a very broad. Anybody can look at this and see themselves in this, in um, kind of a non-specific way.
2: You mentioned yeah. uh, in a Christian context that it would be obvious what that might mean. Um, I, it wasn't obvious to me what the what the same old voice was or the
1: same old lies. Could it be? Satan? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yes, I, I would say that's probably what would pop into most people's heads. I mean, that's certainly what popped into my head initially. I was like, okay, the enemy telling you lies about your you know, who you are and what you should do and what you should pursue to you know, give yourself um, fulfillment in life and pleasure and everything else. But um then I, when I really thought about it some more, I was like, you know, really, there's a few ways you could think, talk about the culture you're in the people around you that speak into your life and that you may choose to listen to, things like that. There's a a, kind of a broader way you could think about that. But, you know, if you plop that down into typical worship service, the first thing that probably would pop into most people's heads is the devil. And, um, yeah.
0: I think because of the idea of lies, because, you know, Satan is the father of lies. So that association seems to hint at, Satan more than the other things that you've said, but it doesn't exclude the other things you said. It just
1: kind of... It's kind of the foundation of those things, sort of. Yeah, I think so.
0: I mean, yeah, I agree with everything that David said. I think uh, David talked about dissatisfaction. I would also add a word like futility. So we read in Romans 8.20 that creation was subjected to futility. Mm -hmm. So we see somebody just in a futile state Futile, excuse me, not feudal, (laughs) but futile state. A peasant. Uh, The peasantry is arisen. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Rather dashing. Is anybody anybody interested in an uprising? Uh, Okay. Um, I I wonder, um, this is not a critique, um, but I noticed the emphasis in the song, both here and elsewhere, about the idea of having a better life. And one thing that I would want to see in the song as we go forward is the idea that really, it's not just about a better life, right? Uh, Having a better life is good, but for some Christians, a better life means dying. For some Christians, a better life means suffering. And so I would be curious how this song if this song transitions to the fact that what we really need in salvation is not merely life improvement or life enhancement in some way, life betterment, that there's, there's a little, let's go a little bit deeper than that.
2: Yeah, and that that life that is better has a, has a purpose that's beyond the satisfaction of the one who uh, previously was wandering that same old road. Yeah, it's,
0: it's great, for example, if we stop hearing the old voice and we stop walking the same road, and it's great if we stop trying to fill the same holes. That, those are good things. Um, those, having those things resolved, though, in and of themselves is not sufficient, <laughs> I guess is all I'm saying. Potentially. I mean, depending on what those things mean exactly.
2: Yes. So let's see what, what is meant exactly. If you got paid. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Colin, what is being said here?
0: Yeah, so I think this is providing some of what I was asking for. Or maybe not entirely or maybe not as clearly as could be, but there's this is a reasonable... Effort at resolution, so uh, there is a he here, so it's not just a vague thing. This is a person, so a person is going to provide a solution. The solution involves taking pain, uh, making a way. Again, it's vague, but I think a Christian can get a sense as to what what is being thought of here or what is being said, uh, and that the per- that the person that we need to turn to is a savior. Uh, shakes prisons, of course, which is a reference to, um, the account in Acts, and uh, who breaks chains. Now, um, I, I, maybe there are some, we, we could maybe get into the detail on some some potential problems, or at least imprecisions here. I'll save that for just, maybe we'll have a broader conversation here. But I'll just say at the get-go, my initial reaction is, this provides a sense that we have, there is a person that we need to turn to. Savior implies Christ very strongly. So I think this is um, this is a good, a good resolution. Now, is it is it a great one? Maybe we should talk about that. David, do you have thoughts
1: on this? Well, I mean, it's clearly talking about the character Cyborg from Star Trek V who <laughs> takes your pain, and, and of course share your pain with me and gain strength. I, I want my pain. I need my pain. No. Um no, I uh, I, I felt kind of the same way. Uh, it's it's good. Uh I I think that however. What if he doesn't take your pain like I have you if you're somebody who struggles with chronic pain literally to where you've got something that makes doing just basic life functions difficult and you trust to Christ and you still have that chronic pain does that mean that he didn't take it? you know and that's that's one of those things where you wrestle with it and again, it's where you can you know if you read it more broadly and poetically you can see, there's a deeper underlying thing where instead of that pain just being a thing that grinds away at you, instead it becomes a um, a sanctifying thing in your life, where you're being forced to trust to God in this area that He is providing things that are beyond simply not having pain. Um, and, you know, again, that's one of those areas where we can go off on a tangent about that, but At the same time, because he's trying to write a song that is very big picture, but also expressive of a little moment, like a little just kind of instant in his life, comes across maybe more vaguely. But I think this is one of those moments where I'm willing to be charitable. Again, because like you guys are talking about, this is an expression of like... Kind of his moment of sanctification, of, of, of justification, of whatever you want to call it, where he's like suddenly saying, "I understand and I want to know Jesus." Okay, going from what he where he was before to where he is now, or you know, at least that that that's that makes sense in this kind of expression. Um, in terms of do I think that's necessarily enough if I'm going to stick that into worship service? That's another question, but I oh, sure. I don't. Um, I don't knock his expression of that in his life and in song at all. It makes sense.
0: Well, one thing that I would want more clarity on at this point, too, uh, is, okay, from the story, we know that he was thinking about his, I think, conversion, I think we could call it. If this is a song about conversion, and Savior would imply that, breaking chains this is talk it seems to be talking about salvation which as you rightly say david is justification i don't like the term feel lost then because if a person needs saving they are lost they 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 it's not a felt need of lostness it their problem is that they're lost and scripture is unambiguous about the status of the non-christian they are lost yeah. uh, so um now, again, this is a very small critique, and maybe there maybe I'm maybe I'm overdoing it. But I would I guess if I, I would like to see a little bit more clarity about is this a Christian who's just kind of having doubts or problems? Is this a non-Christian? Now, in a sense, in both cases, we still need a savior. There's not a point where we graduate from not needing Jesus, or there's not a point where we stop struggling. With the same things that we struggled with as non Christians, it's just that we struggle with them in Christ, so we have the victory. Um, but um, nevertheless, I just think some more precision here might be helpful. I don't know, Tyler. Do you have any thoughts on any of this?
2: Yeah, I had a similar thought, but it was on a different um, different word. I guess it was this "if," and so it's kind oh, of yeah. a, a very similar thing where you would say to someone um, confidently as a Christian, if that person is is Uh, Not a believer in Christ, you would say, you are in chains. You are in bondage to sin. And uh, you do need freedom, and there's no if about it. But I think if we take it as it sounds like he wrote it to be intended, he intended it to be used um, as an evangelistic tactic, I could see why you might say, um, hey, you know do you feel lost is your does your life feel like it doesn't have purpose do you feel like you're constantly going after you know chasing a chasing a, a carrot on a stick but you're on a treadmill or like on a hamster wheel or something like that um you know you you do need a savior so um i think on its own it doesn't really provide it, it doesn't make it that clear that this is what's happening where you're reaching out to uh, people. And I think he even mentioned wanting to go and sing this in bars and stuff like that to uh, kind of convert people. But um, at, on its own, it doesn't seem to give that, that context.
1: Yeah. I don't know that if I was a person who had no pre-existing relationship, or like if I didn't already have a context of knowing what he was talking about, I don't know that I would, have a lot of interest in what he was talking about but again you know you never know what the Holy Spirit's gonna use to move somebody's right. life so I, I don't want to be too harsh about that um, but it's just one of those things where I'm kind of like I, I see what he's wanting to do there um, but um, it depends on, on the context of it really
2: you know what I found curious this song came out uh, it was released on May 24th, 2016, and Sinatch's song, Waymaker, was released. I was wondering about that. Uh, w- exactly, almost exactly one year before that, May 30th, 2015. Okay. So I wonder if he borrowed that, or maybe, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but maybe he was riding the wave of that song, because that song just skyrocketed to fame. I mean, it's still it still is. Yeah. Okay. And we've all searched for
1: a lot of day in the dead of night. And we've all found ourselves worn up from the same old fight. we've all run the things we know just ain't right. And there's a better
2: life. Then we come to We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. When there's a better life, there's a better life. Dave, what are these lyrics saying?
1: I think he's saying that everybody has had experiences where they have had that dark night of the soul. They've all had experiences where they just are at the end of their rope, or they find themselves going to things that they know are destructive to themselves. And he's saying, you know, in the context of all these things, there is hope in that. Um having said that, I do wish that he was a little more clear about what that means. But um that's that's just kind of one of again, it's one of those things where I see him appealing to kind of the broad human experience. Um, cause I think almost everybody that's an adult has had those kind of times, you know, we've all had something in our life. That's just like, you feel like you've kind of hit rock bottom, um, or you just feel like you're wasting your time grinding out and you were just like, I want to, I want to have something better than this. I want to have rest from this. And so I guess the question is, if, a, if somebody who doesn't already trust to Christ, here's this, how are they going to interpret that? Mm
2: -hmm. Colin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so
0: I agree with what David had to say. At the same time, for where the song had been thus far, I appreciated these lines because I think it's a clearer way to to describe what I think he was trying to describe in the first verse. Again, futility. Mm. And I think he he captures this thing that david also saw in there we 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 have all and he says it we have all looked for answers in places where we aren't going to find them and may even find destruction i think david talked about self-destruction mm-hmm. i basically he, he the author here is giving a few different vague but nevertheless relatable and there's probably a fine line you know there there are there's language we can use that's vague which is unhelpfully vague and at the same time there's language we can use that is vague but that is not so vague that it's unrelatable and i think for at least when i read these lines i found them a bit more relatable i thought well okay dead of night this is a metaphor and fight these are this is a metaphor and Run to things we know just ain't right. Okay. Again, what is it? What does it mean? What does it mean? It's true. But I could see, I, I don't know, I immediately thought of certain things that I've looked, you know, that I've added to my life or that I've, and, were places where I've looked for answers or things that I've prized or idols that I've made, you know, things that I've trusted in. It's, it's, these are, these are pretty easy gaps to fill in. And I don't think there are, I don't think there are available uh, ideas here which are which are too troubling or too problematic. I just think these these are relatable metaphors and they all express the idea that we, we aren't going to find what we're looking for in this life. And he says, when there's a better life, there's a better life, which is kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but I think what he's saying is, it's true. What I'm saying is true. Um, there actually is a better life. That we can have now. Again, that's not sufficient. It's not just about a better life. But I just found these lines a bit more powerful. Uh, not not complete, not thorough, not entirely clear, but a bit more powerful than previous lines. Am I on to? Am I my am oh, Tyler? Am I too generous here?
2: No, I, I think I think that's fair. I first read that final line: "When there's a better life, there's a better life" as a as a tautology. Uh, As just a kind of repetition of an idea like, you know, if X therefore X But I don't think that that's what that's doing there. I think that's connected to the previous line So we've all run to things. We know just ain't right when there's a better life. He's like he's saying It's right there for us, but we're going after things that are we're not uh, Good and one thing I like about that third line um, we've all run to things we know just ain't right. Is it? Is it's actually employing presuppositional apologetics, where you assume that the person, your interlocutor, the person you're talking to, has a kind of ethical compass. They believe in right and wrong. They already know that they have done wrong, and so he's he's actually. It's it's not always the best way to do apologetics. It depends on the situation. But he, I do like that he's acknowledging uh, that sometimes you don't have to convince someone that they have done wrong. Now, sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to convince someone that they have done something wrong. But um, he's acknowledging that, yeah, these things people do, they also know aren't right. So,
0: yeah. Maybe one of the reasons I found it more powerful is because it it's we all rather than if. Yes. Like rather than, you know, So, so I just, I read that and I think, yeah, we all have done that. I have done that. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that I think everybody's done where you, you're just, you're done with the day and you find yourself going to something that, you know, is going to soothe you. But you also know, even if you don't have a category of it's sinful, you know, it is not helpful to you in terms of actually dealing with it. You just want something to calm down, you know? Yeah.
2: You're still embarrassed. You still want to hide, you know? Then we have, uh, well, we have a lot of repetition uh, of the chorus, but we also have, if you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. Colin, what is happening here? Okay, so I think we have to read this, I think we have to
0: read the last thing first. Okay. Somebody testify if you believe it, or somebody testify if you've received this thing, or somebody testify if you feel this thing. So I think that's the gist of what's being said. And that if we read it that way, I think what he's saying is basically do do you agree with what I with what I've said? <laughs> and so it's an evangelical song as you pointed out Tyler. So if you agree with any of this, say so. Basically, I think is what is what is what he's asking which okay yeah i think this you know i think i think that is what that would be the reasonable response to an evangelistic song if you think this is true you need to say it like you need to affirm that this is indeed true
1: what what do you think dave i mean i guess i just I, i read it in the context of like um kind of the musical call and response sort of thing that you see there where you're you're getting your audience to react in that by, you know, amen, hallelujah, you know, kind of giving you that kind of feedback there is how I sort of interpreted that. This is kind of an engaging with them there. Um, in terms of just the lyrics on their own, yeah, I would, I would agree, kind of read it the same way. Um, it's just sort of pointing back to everything you said before and say, if this all summarizes where you are, then, you know, speak out. That's how I. That's how I kind of interpret it, just on the words. Yeah,
0: yeah it's like Cat Stevens. If you want to sing <laughs> out, sing out. And if you want to be free, be free. <laughs> well, if you want to sing out, sing out, and if you want to be free,
2: be free. That's right. A little bit more southern sounding, but well, Yeah, interesting. We were talking about Michael Gunger, and, and now you. We were talking about Michael Gunger on the last episode, and now you mentioned Cat Stevens who's also um, kind of transformed himself along a new a new bit. religious lines a little bit
1: yes. um, yeah
0: well, what is that he changed you, his
2: name even i forgot what it was yusuf islam now
1: changed I think. his name yeah. and started uh endorsing the death of authors among other things so <laughs> oh, i didn't know that oh uh, well, yeah, was part of the whole salman rushdie hullabaloo back in what was that the 80s that's a long time ago many many years ago
2: i think this if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it testify if you take it in the context of the song it's following on that chorus that chorus has all of these proclamations about christ Um, doesn't name Christ directly, but it does have savior. And for those who are concerned, it's capitalized savior. So it seems like it's pretty clear if you have the lyrics on a screen or something in your church, what what we're talking about, but he's a pain taker. He's a way maker. He's a prison shaking savior. He's a chain breaker. Uh, if you believe it, and I think Christians will say, yes, I do believe that, um, with probably the caveat that Dave mentioned earlier, a pain taker sounds like, uh, either it it could be interpreted as taking away all pain um in this life which of course i don't think we would uh, agree with but um yeah he does encourage us to cast our burdens onto him and um yeah if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it testify and i guess amen or uh, what else what else might people say when, when we sing this line hallelujah amen or maybe just testify, or I do. I, I honestly don't know. Like, it, like, do you think that in churches, people yeah. actually shout out something there?
1: Depends on how uh, interactive you are, I suppose. Some more so yeah. than others. Probably not too many Presbyterian right. churches that are going to do a lot of testify. <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. Those Lutherans, on the other hand, they're going to be all over that, man the Lutherans
2: <laughs> only if it's chant in that case then they will they will holler back and forth
0: um, you can believe it if you can receive it if you can feel it somebody chant
2: oh, actually that's the Hilo the Halo theme um, <laughs> there you go. Dave can you give us some
1: concluding remarks on this song sure Just I, A wrap up of yeah I, I- I don't have a I don't have a strong feeling about it. It's fine, but I also don't know the problem with a song like this where he's written it kind of as in a expression of something in himself is and that's great, but then as soon as it leaves himself and it gets applied to all these other things, it loses that kind of heartfelt context and it becomes in its own expression alone sort of vague. And um, I don't know that I have a, a strong opinion that I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. It's okay. And there's nothing wrong with having an okay song, but it's also one of those things where sometimes you go, if we're going to sing a song that's just okay, is there another song that would be better than okay that could do the same job? Yeah, that's a good point. It's
0: good. It's it's good to think of Christ as a, a prison-shaking Savior, as a chain-breaker. This is a neat, you know, this is a biblical and accurate way to talk about Christ. I think there's better, there are better ways to frame it. I think Scripture itself frames Christ's role in this way better than this song does. I do think as a personal song, it communicates well, you know, what, you know, his own kind of conversion, and in a sense, then, the song makes sense as a song that could be sung by people who are at the point of conversion mm. or maybe newly converted and i think at times maybe even christians that are that are struggling with some some things that that and they really have a sense that there's a need for freedom or chain breaking or they're in a bondage in some way to some kind of habit or or other kind of sin so you know, th- in, in other words it, it is broadly it is broadly applicable i would not sing it in a church i don't think it's clear enough or precise enough to do so but if it's being sung at a I don't know, like an evangelistic event or something, or in a prison, uh, for example, where this song was sung, uh, I think uh
2: I think it could mm-hmm. work potentially, for sure. Yeah. Well, with that said, Colin, uh, what did you give this song? Okay. Um, so
0: <laughs> if I, I would not sing the song in a church. So, you know, we're not I'm I'm gonna first I'm gonna base my rating on. Just thinking of it as a contemporary Christian song, so that was the category it was nominated in. That's the I'm going to say that's the genre it is. So people might sing this in church. I'm not thinking of this as a worship song in a Sunday morning. Um, So if you're just if this is a song that's being sung at at an event. I would give it a high three out of five. Unimpressed prisoners. I'd maybe push four, but uh, right now I give it three out of five. Unimpressed prisoners, and the reason for that is because this song was sung in a prison. I don't know if the guy was going for a fulsome prison type experience. It definitely was not that. Like it was kind of a an empty, half empty, three quarters empty gym in a prison with some prisoners. That actually looked pretty worshipful, except one. There was at least one that, and I'll—I need to find the time signature in the video. Watch the video for this song, and occasionally, there like a lot of prisoners are clearly enjoying the song, and then there's just this one dude who's just kind of like. At one point, he, they even the camera captures him rolling his eyes Ooh. as <laughs> as everybody's uh, as everybody's singing. He just kind of maybe he doesn't roll his eyes, but he just kind of looks up and he's just kind of like. And he's got his hands crossed and he's just kind of he he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> he's just not at all interested in what's going on.
1: That's funny.
2: I'll have to look at that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Dave, what did you give this song? Uh I I would also give this three out of five um broken chains. If you get five chains on the ground, three of them will be broken for this. Uh and, oh, and kind that's of, clever. Yes, I know. I'm very, I'm very witty. Uh I I don't have any strong objections to it at all, which is why I think it, you know, gets better than like a two where it would be, I have maybe some concerns. It doesn't express like major theological shortcomings, but it also doesn't really have a whole lot to say if it, it's like I said, in its original context, that gives a lot of meaning. But if I was going to put this in a church service, it's immediately stripped of all that meaning. And I think that's where kind of takes an a, a unpl- unfortunate turn where it would be better if it could um, have a little bit more depth to it for that kind of application. But um, like you're saying, if it was in a context that was maybe broader, like if you're going to go to some kind of conference, it would fit in better in a setting like that where maybe you're... Maybe he's going to come and do a, co- a concert at a, co- at a conference like that. That that would absolutely be the kind of appropriate thing. But yeah, it's fine. It's not great. I wouldn't use it in church.
2: Tyler, what about you? I'm going to go a very, very similar route. I, I'm going to give it a three out of five ways made. And obviously the Waymaker thing in there got me thinking. And um, I was, yeah, I, I'm in a similar place where I, I don't think I've, this belongs uh, in a congregation on a Sunday morning without maybe some background where the pastor says, we're going to sing a song now. Uh, it calls God a prison-shaking Savior. Here's a passage from Acts where you know, we could reflect on that. Um, the chains that he's talking about, you are, uh, you are a slave to sin if you sin, and uh, those chains uh, need to be broken, and Christ has conquered uh, death, which is the wages of sin, and uh, liberates you from it that way. Uh, so all in all, I think uh, this would be a tough one for a church to do well. Um, I suppose it's possible. So I'm going to go with three oh, yeah. out of five. I just, In my head, I was thinking about a child of God, which is also it's somewhat evangelistic. Like, Who am I that the most powerful king would welcome me? Uh, And I just think about how much richer the ideas are in that song, right? I mean, there's this reflection on he died for me. The song doesn't really mention that core component, the gospel. So uh, it's just, it's it's okay. And uh, I'll give it a three. Tyler,
0: how many Dave or Davids have we had on this show Uh, already? It's like four or five.
2: (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We have Dave from Goldsmith Odyssey. Uh, Dave now from Kingsway Talk and uh, Dave from um, K- KD Music. So that's three. And then. Okay, just three. I think just three, unless there's another Dave. So if your name is Dave and you're listening, give us a call. <laughs> We're trying to crank up those numbers. <laughs> we got lines open for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to write to us and let us know what you thought of this review and if if we were fair or if we didn't pick up on something. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And uh, also, our inbox is always open for recommendations or even songs you'd like to hear reviewed. We'd love to know that uh, we could offer this service to our listeners. So, and if you feel especially uh, compelled or helped by this we ask that you consider a monetary contribution um, in the form of cryptocurrency of your choice or cash. Or goats. <laughs> yeah, we will also barter with you. No uh, only accept well, I guess there's no bartering the contributions. <laughs> yes. Or maybe Denver nuggets.
1: <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, we're accepting <laughs> Whatever you grain, got on. chicken nuggets, and chicken yeah, nuggets.
0: Nuggets, chicken nuggets. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, But an NFT of a chicken nugget. There you go. There you go. <laughs>